Good afternoon, and welcome to MGO Podcast. Welcome to MGO Podcast 15.19. Eventually, the glow fades and we must turn our attention to what might happen next year. That's what this podcast is mostly about. It's a slightly sad hockey segment, but we've asked a little too. people we're we gotta we gotta move on with our lives we can't merely sit and bask in the fact that michigan won the 2023 national championship by 23 touchdowns so we should stop watching sports i've (laughs) i mean it's not the worst idea can i have a moment to just kind of bask again okay do like a basket we should do one segment every week where we talk about enjoyable things from this year (laughs) here's your moment no that's not a bad idea we've been struggling to find them (laughs) Hey, uh, you remember that time Michigan beat Alabama in the Rose Bowl? Bask. Oh, that's good. I liked it. It's a good time. Got the UFR up. <laughs> Very timely fashion. Man. Was, this is where we're at as I a took, company. I took 41 clips, so I was like, all right. You know, like somewhat justified that it took longer than usual, but, you know, what are you going to do? Did my, you f- my Washington one is, is ready to go, too, and that is a monster. I did you finish the Purdue one from last year? No, he did it. Did both of them? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't do the Iowa offense, though. I don't know if I need to do offense versus Iowa this year. Uh, uh, you did the Iowa defense this year? I did the yeah. Iowa defense. I was like, the Iowa, that probably, like, that probably offense, took you a while. Offense versus Iowa was just kind of like, okay, they're throwing it underneath. I don't need to. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. You got the UFR up. Eric All is like the only person who's relevant from that, that game. No, no, not Eric. Not Eric All. Eric All <laughs> I was like, wow. No. The Penn State game from 21? Which one? No, no, Colson Loveland is the only relevant person from that game on offense. Okay. Yeah, thereabouts. Anyway, so we do have to, like, move on with our lives and start discussing the future of Michigan football. Sort of. Speaking of moving on with our lives and discussing the future of Michigan (laughs) football. I don't know what, what. I don't. I, I. That's a terrible segue. Well, they're all terrible segues. (laughs) That's our thing. (laughs) That's not a terrible. I like that. That's you. No. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> Brian. My segues are good. Read the sponsors. Speaking of good segues. Uh, speaking of reading the sponsors, thank you to Underground Printing. See, that was a good one. That was It was topical. <laughs> this is why you pay me the big bucks. <laughs> For making this all possible, Rishi and Ryan have been our biggest supporters from the beginning. Check out their wide selection of officially licensed Michigan fan gear at their three store locations in Ann Arbor or learn about their custom apparel business at undergroundshirts.com. Our associate sponsors are Peak Wealth Management, Matt Demers, Realtor and Lander, Ann Arbor Elder Law, Michigan Law Grad, The Phil Klein Insurance Group, Winewood Organics, Human Element, Sharon's Heating and Air Conditioning, Venue by 4M, where we recorded this, The Nosebleeds, which is the Sklar Brothers reboot of Cheap Seats on UFC Fight Pass, and Autograph Fandom Rewarded, Just Launched Snap, where you earn rewards for things like reading MGO Blog and listening to this podcast. All right. So, first off... Uh, Sharon Moore has got some hiring to do. So do we have more coaches this week than we did last week? Uh, I think we have the same number because Clink Scale left and they hired Wink Martindale. So, And Elston left. Uh, I think he had already left by last week. But 
it in any case. Mm. In any case, Wink Martindale is the new defensive coordinator nominally, like Ravens continuation person since he was literally the Ravens defensive coordinator. But well, a couple years ago, he's been with the Giants. Yes, uh, but you know the Ravens defense wasn't the Ravens defense under Mike McDonald under Wink Martindale. Right, so there's there's a difference between them, not as big of a difference as people are making it out to be. Okay, because someone read Colin TJ's uh, Twitter thread and completely misunderstood it to mean like, oh, brings five and plays cover one. That's Don Brown. No, it's nothing like Don Brown at all. Because the five he's bringing are like the most surprising five ever. The real difference between the two of them and and Minter, I would put in the Mike McDonald uh, bin. Wink likes to blitz. And play more man behind it. Now, I've looked at the numbers over the different years, and he didn't blitz any more than Mike McDonald did at Michigan in 2021. So when he did not have all of his superstars in the secondary, he did not man blitz as often. What he does when he has cornerbacks who are really good, he's going to blitz more and leave them in man coverage more often. But that kind of makes sense just from a football perspective in general. Yes, Yes, so that's what people are, are seeing. They're seeing that he blitzes a lot more, but he was blitzing a lot more because he had Marcus Peters available and Mike McDonald did not. Okay. So <clears throat> the one thing he doesn't, wasn't doing as much as Minter, did, and Minter does a lot more of it even than McDonald, are creepers, are like pretending you're going to blitz and like giving you a look and then kind of backing out. Right. Uh, which, again, might be more just because he was bl- actually blitzing with them more often and not necessarily, you know, it doesn't mean it's necessarily a philo- philosophical It's difference. funny that the Michigan fan base is now like, okay, never blitz. <laughs> like, we have to be the only fan base in America that's like, we got to get less aggressive out there, boys. We need to cover, <laughs> we need to cover four and cover, and, and cover six. Let's keep those safeties at 12 yards, baby. Let's go. That would be the MGO readership, yes. We've got Will Johnson. Everyone's like, play him off. Play him <laughs> off by 10 yards. <laughs> Don't you dare put him in press. Second five is fine. It's okay. <laughs> it's fine. Just keep him deep, baby. Third and three is the goal here, people. Come on. <laughs> Let's stop him at the 25. But, Hold him to a field goal. But, I mean, I think it is worth noting that uh, this has worked for Michigan. They just – yes. They had an NFL pass defense. They kept them deep. They relied on their front four to get pressure. And given what Michigan's front four looks like going into next year, I would expect Martindale to probably be less blitzy because guys who can get there with four don't blitz as much, right? Exactly. Like, exactly. And, and Michigan should be able to generate as much organic pass rush across the board next year as they have in recent memory. Yeah, I mean, it's... I mean, I mean Hutchinson was great, and, and Ojabo then came on, but... Now you can get pressure from any number of four starters, but then then also maybe Rayshon Benny, and I'm sure they'll find a backup DE on one of the sides that can play a little bit too. I'm sure they'll find like a fifth defensive or third defensive end, a fifth pass rusher Mm -hmm. from this side, um, you know, either in the depths or transfer or something like that. And then when you do that, like in some senses, why ever blitz? Yeah. And I mean, the main question about Michigan's, Defensive line next year is depth, right? Mm-hmm. Just in terms of the four starters, I think you can expect that as long as they're fresh, their win rate next year should be better than it was last year. I mean, you would think so. Because, like, no disrespect to Jalen Harrell or Braden McGregor, but I think the upside of both Josiah Stewart and 
especially Derek Moore. Well, he's going to be a true junior, and we've seen him right. get better every this year. This is like Ojabo year. Right. Um, and then you've got Mason Graham on the interior. And then Kenneth Grant looks like an upgrade in the pass rush department again. From and from Benny Jenkins. looked good bef- yeah. at, at different times before he got hurt. So they have some guys. Like I said, you get maybe one more edge rusher or defensive end that can get some pressure. And now you're not – I mean, the depth that Michigan had this year. Insane. And like And Never like the 16 – the 16 year, remember, mm-hmm. like when they had like basically two lines, like that's not something that just happens. No. Like it happens when you get the perfect overlap of freshmen that explode and that sort of thing. I do wonder why they didn't go after either of those like Ivy League transfers that hard. Well, I think that part of this is like the coaching staff was all in flux. And that's true. So. Right. Um, they were probably thinking about going to the NFL instead of getting. Hey, four. watch you in the draft. We'll, we'll get you in the fifth round. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, I mean, going back to Wink. Wink's the one other thing that Wink does very differently than McDonald's. He ran a lot more of that five-one-five, where he just only has one linebacker out there and it has all four, five defensive uh, linemen out there. Uh, now, Brian, Wink, Brian's face here is notable. Well, I remember the one time that like McDonald ran it against Michigan State, and it yeah. was just horrible. Yeah, yeah. On the other hand. You know, he was doing this with like Dexter Lawrence in the middle, and like that. The idea of it was to force them to get singles on Dexter Lawrence, which is not a terrible idea when you have Kenneth Grant at nose tackle. When you have all and of Mason Michigan's Grant, D-line, yeah, right. And so, like, when you look at who Michigan can put out there, they could put out Benny and Graham and Grant at the same time well, and okay force them to with, single all three of those guys. I'm okay with one of those guys being single. Really, yeah. Do you <laughs> think that like? In some sense, you'd, you'd play to your personnel, like if they like their D-line or they like their secondary more and they like their linebackers, per se. Uh, yeah, they're going to – I mean, they got to see what they have at cornerback. And yeah. they're going to have to probably find another cornerback. Cause, or, or, like, or, or Jair Hill becomes, like, amazing this year or something, right? Because I mean, right near, right now it's, like, Hill and then McBurrows that are on the roster, right? Well, no, Waller. Got Waller. Yeah. yeah. Played enough last year that you, they, you can see that they think he's a player. So, yeah. It's, I mean, but the question is, are those guys going to? How much do you want to do cover zero with Michigan's defensive backs? When you look at the safeties, never, never. I, I, you got, I, I mean, you got Rod, Rod Moore. You could Zeke Berry's ready to go. Apparently, like they've been, the coaches have been talking him up for all year. Can he play corner? He, <laughs> he can. Well, well he can I play think nickel, what, possibly. what you're looking yeah. at is you're looking at one of Page, Moore, or Sab being the nickel. Uh huh. I mean, you'd hope so. And then you free up McBurrows to be a competitor on the outside. I, I, you're right. They just used McBurrows as like a Mikey Jr. this year, right? Right. Yeah, I mean, they just have to figure out like, what parts of the Sane were still skill set they want to prioritize. Because honestly, like the, the way Rod Moore has played with his, with his vision, I, I think he'd be really good as a nickel. He started like, his career at the nickel, actually. Yeah, I mean they they worked him in in twenty one a little and then bit. Given, yeah. given how Sab played in the national championship game, I mean like I'm pretty comfortable him, with him emerging as a starter on the back end. Well, and they still have Page, and, and you have brought Page. up Barry, and yeah. yeah, I mean that's that's a that's a lot of options. That yeah. means they're they're stacked at safety. Yeah, I mean that was the weird thing to me is like when we're getting all these announcements of people coming back and people leaving, and the guys that come back are like. Rod Moore, Macari Page, and Donovan Edwards. You're like, oh, so safety and running back, where we already had next year's like lined up. Like, yeah. uh, can we? Can I have a different position over here, please? <laughs> please, oh, JJ, come on. Yeah, um, yeah. for real. Yeah, like Quentin Johnson decides very late to go to the no, NFL. I, he, he, like <laughs> he must have already like 
He said earlier, right? Because there's a deadline. There's a deadline, but nobody announced yeah. it, or, or he didn't announce two weeks it, or... to announce or something. I don't know. Yeah, but I, either way, I think that he looked at the. That was not a like, oh, I'm ready to go to the NFL at this moment. I think he looked at the depth chart next year and was like, Keith well, Sab's going to be taking all of my opportunities to play. Hey, the, no, 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 no. Quentin Johnson's slander. The man it, absolutely not, obliterated Amico Buka. He, he was going to play. <laughs> it's there, there's there's no Perhaps. slander. There's, yeah, just that when, sl- when you bring back when you bring back six safety. They all don't get to play. Yeah, like, that's I mean, the way if, it goes. If he doesn't think that he's ready for the NFL, he's probably transferring somewhere else where he can get a full season in and like kind of get his bona fides. Yeah, no. I mean, I think his NFL decision was made, was was partly made by the fact that like next year is going to be hard for a guy who was an Any NFL case, draft. We're supposed to be safety. talking about the coaching stuff. Is, is it yeah. not interesting that when none of us think that these decisions are official until we see it on social media? Like it doesn't matter what they, if they actually file their paperwork. Yeah. Oh, you didn't post yeah. on Instagram, so it's not I, real. Anyway, anybody still think that Wink Martin, Martindale is you know Don Brown or Wink, Wink is not going to run the same stuff that Michigan's been running? Like, do, does anyone here think that we're talking about a major philosophy change? I mean, I think obviously different guys are different, but I think it'll look fairly similar i just hope that you know wink has the ability to go to jesse mentor and be like the the <laughs> teacher has become the student yeah because that was the kind of stuff that he threw at two of the best pass offenses in america last year i'd be hard pressed to say anyone could match that yeah and you know, via Sam, uh, one of the guys who was actually a big part of that was, was it Kurt Mallory. Doug. Doug Mallory. I always get the Mallory brothers. Yeah, just, yeah. just a Mallory. Um, yeah. Uh, I, if there's any more Mallory, I, I guess the other one is coaching in Indiana State. Maybe we can go grab him as defensive backs coach or something. But having a Mallory to kind of break down the other teams, that apparently that was a big part of it too. So somebody's got to be anticipating what the other team's going to run. However... Michigan was really set up this year to take maximum advantage of the kind of things that they were doing because they didn't have to show any of their weird coverages until, what, week 12? Yeah, and they had, you know, Josh Wallace as their transfer corner, and Josh Wallace had played more football than anyone in America. Right. In, in, so, in three different defenses. Right. So, like, yeah. you just had everybody had all the experience. Yeah. Yeah. And, it's not going to be like that, but it, that's college football. Like that, it's never like that, except anyway, the rare yeah. instances when it is. On the coaching hire front, it feels like uh, Wink Martindale is not going to bring his NFL guy with him, which is why I didn't want that to happen. No, you didn't want them to bring him. No, because that guy's not going to recruit, and he's going to be a little bit mad that he's in college. Well, he can't be mad if he's like voluntarily going. <laughs> well, anyway. So it seems like he's not coming, and it, it sounds like Greg Scruggs, who's currently at Wisconsin, uh, his their defensive line coach might come over and be Michigan's DL coach. They He goes back with uh, Sharon Moore from the days when both guys were at Louisville. Okay. Uh, and so young, up-and-comer, profiles like the guy kind of guy you want to come in, re-recruit the current defensive line, and then get on the trail. And then... Um, talking about the Toledo DB's coach for Michigan's spot. I can't say I know anything about him. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, the only DB's coach I've ever had my eye on is the guy at Arizona State who was just a ridiculous recruiter and almost got Will Johnson to go there. Yeah. Like, like he was jumping in on recruitments that Arizona State never should be. Was it Josh Christopher? <laughs> <laughs> and then linebackers, um, the names there are, are fuzzier than elsewhere. Um, 
Like, I mean, do you think this is going to be a, a wink thing where he's now going to be able to go get all the defensive coaches he wants? Or is no. this like more of a Sharon Moore kind of thing? I think Wink Martindale is going to run the defense. I think he's going to do nothing else. He's not going to get any of his guys in. He's not going to get because you can't you can't get some guy who's been in the NFL for 15 years and tell him to be a position coach in college because he's going to die. He's going to be like, or or he's going to suck at his job. Yeah, because it's like a 24 seven. Like we see all these guys leaving for the NFL, and everything you hear is that the lifestyle in the NFL is infinitely better because you don't have to recruit. There are things called contracts. Well, and. You don't have to re-recruit your own team, and you don't right. have to re-recruit every other team in addition to high school kids. Yeah. Right. So bringing an NFL guy is always sort of a questionable move as a position coach. In 2024, it is impossible. I would never do it. I would just – like you can get away with that guy because you can have a couple of guys who are on-field coaching staff who are coordinators who aren't recruiting. Everybody else has got to be like a nose-to-the-grindstone – grind set, getting up at 5 in the morning and texting guys uh-huh. kind of dude. And there's plenty of those dudes out there. And, I mean, the thing that's been happening lately is guys have been taking downgrades so they don't have to be the man responsible. So Alabama, yeah, you, you're, you mentioned Alabama. They lost their offensive coordinator to the Seahawks. Yeah. And they may lose a couple of more coaches to the Seahawks. And that's just, you know, indicative, right? You, that's Alabama. You are the new head coach at Alabama, and you can't keep guys around because they want to go to the to the league for a franchise that may or may not win anything ever, which is kind of the – but it's just I don't have to recruit there. And so – Yeah, and the, on the other hand, they took Mo Linguist out of Buffalo, who was a head coach at Buffalo. He wasn't exactly tearing it up at Buffalo. No, no but he went from – he went to Buffalo because he was going to be the he, he was the pre- co-DC and secondary coach in Michigan. He was going to be pre – he was a pre-McDonald. Yeah. Like they got McDonald to replace him. Yes. Well, I think they hired Matt Weiss when they, got, when they lost him. But and, anyway, in any case, yeah. like, there's definitely yeah, a trend of guys jumping ship before they can get fired. Yeah. Um, and Chip Kelly to Ohio State is yeah, the other one. Which is like – well, and especially because the quarterback that they got is a bit more of a runner than a passer. Because uh, I was like, oh, how is this going to work? But then you bring in Kelly and you're like, oh, that's how. Yeah, and that's an interesting thing in regards to Wink Martindale. Will Howard is not going to be a first-round NFL draft pick. Uh-huh. You know, he's a good quarterback. Uh, but part of what makes him a good quarterback is that he's a tough runner. And Kansas State's offense was kind of built around that. That's not what Ryan Day has done. And so if if the Ohio State offense changes, Michigan's defense has to change with it. We yeah. talked about the metagame, right? Yeah. And how – the last three years, Michigan's been ahead because they've been running NFL pass defense with those two deep safeties, and Ohio State can't convert a third and short to save their lives. If that changes with Will Howard, then Michigan's got to change too. Yeah. And maybe going back to something closer to Don Brown, not Don Brown, would be more effective against a Will Howard than it would be against a C.J. Stroud. And really, you talk about Wink recruiting. I don't care if he's recruiting, but I do want him spending – Inordinate amounts of time watching Ohio State defense <laughs> and coming up with his plan for right, it. Yeah, offense. It's, it's, offense. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's like that's a reasonable thing to do. McDonald didn't really recruit. Minner didn't really recruit. And the, the things went well. That's fine. But you can, you can only carry one of those guys. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Maybe two. And D.C. seems like 
not a bad spot for that. I, I mean, it's definitely the spot for that because you got Sharon, who's an offensive guy on, on that side of the field. And as I said, the Bama UFR, they demolished Nick Saban schematically. Yeah. And they, they did it consistently. Everybody was wide open all the time. <laughs> and the only reason they didn't move the ball more consistently is that they had their own failings. And uh, Justin Egboigby was incredible. The best opposing anchor I've ever seen. Just knocking guys over who I've never seen knocked over before. So, also the greatest copy editing challenge I've ever had. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think I had to Whatever. make it. Like were, edits. were they all the same or no, were they different was, versions of it? Like, so you couldn't even control F it? I couldn't. I had to like just look like, oh, up man. like Egg Boygby and Egg Boygus oh, yeah. <laughs> At some point I was like, I should have just kept calling the anchor. <laughs> In any case... So, like, that's one thing that we're not really talking about in terms of coaching is the offensive continuity, which after charting in the Alabama game, I'm sure Jim Harbaugh had a major influence in there. But a lot of the things that we were seeing weren't like, oh, this is a Jim Harbaugh thing. Yeah. Like RB mesh traffic in the red, the red zone. Like, <laughs> you know, all the stuff that they did to get guys open against two first-round corners. Yeah. Like, there was one of those. There was the overthrow. To Cornelius Johnson, where he torched Terry and Arnold. That was Cornelius oh, that Johnson. Out corner. Yeah. Yeah. Everything else was schemed. And there were guys running wide open all day. And Michigan didn't take advantage of that as much as they should have. There was the Samaj drop. There was the, the throw behind Morris. There's the first play of the game. The first where, play yeah. of the game where you have an open guy and JJ yeah. doesn't see him because he's got jitters. And then JJ's throwing to covered versions of Barner twice when he's got better receivers open mm-hmm. to the other side of the field. I, uh, I think keeping Sharon Moore, keeping Kirk Campbell is huge. Yeah. Uh, and I thought it was a, the the move before I did the Alabama UFR. And after I did the Alabama UFR, I'm standing on the table for both these guys. Hmm. Well, as far as keeping the team together, keeping Sharon Moore is the number one thing. When you And this is something Sam said. This is something um, people that I talked to said, that there was – there were a lot of people who were willing to stick around for this team because Sharon Moore is their guy. And not just on offense. Like, it, it moves the needle massively with Kenneth Grant and Mason Graham. That Sharon Moore, was, as long as he's here, they're here. Talked to parents of some recruits that I, I've, I've met along the way, too. Same thing. Sharon Moore is here. They trust that Michigan's going to be the same program as it was under Harbaugh, that the values are the same, that they're going to develop players. So it's not just looking for recruiters as far as their staff. When we talk about who they got to find, they have to find more people who are like the people that they had, who are good dudes, who are good at developing their that's, players. That's the key, I think, as much as anything, because we talk about the little bit of the recruiting gap sometimes. I mean, like you look at the class that went by this week and, you know, Michigan goes 40 and three in the last three years. They win a national title and they don't have a top 10 class. And you're just like, how in the world? Well, OK, that's a different that's a different conversation. But my point is, is how you deal with that. Yes. Is by you take guys, you find quitty pay and you turn them into an NFL player. And that's what Michigan has done and as the, well as any program in the last five. And they years. care about the players as individuals. They care about right. their futures. Right. And everyone says that they do. And there was I mean, this was the way that Michigan was recruiting against other teams. This, is, this was the vibe of the program that if you were in the program, you said these guys really care about us. And I think if there's like an ineffable thing that people were worried about with hiring Wink Martindale is that is this guy just an NFL coach who's going to come and be like, okay, you're my tools. I'm going to put you where, you know, right. I'm going to play chess with, with my chess pieces. Apparently that's not true. 
apparently the, the players themselves were very in favor of Wink. That former Ravens were, I mean, if you, you dig into it, there's a lot of harbonness to that guy, where he's kind of a weird dude, <laughs> and, and he's a former trucker, but he's like, he's... 100% the kind of guy that Jim Harbaugh would hire. He just like a Well, his brother did. Foot, so, yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> Football dude, uh, you know, his it was Rick Minter's best buddy for years and years. Like he is he is part of the family. Um and as far as we're talking about, you know, other guys are looking at, they're going to have to find more guys who fit a very certain kind of profile who honestly care about players. And Ohio State's not doing that. You know, Chip Kelly obviously does not care about his players, right? The whole idea is he's there well, to coordinate. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. So that's uh, the state of coaching play. We're going to take a break, come back, and start taking a look at the 2024 offense. Want the perfect game day outfit? Underground Printing has unique, great-fitting U of M apparel and officially licensed apparel from legendary Michigan names like Woodson, Howard, Eufer, and more. UGP also specializes in custom printed apparel and promotional items for groups, events, and businesses. Whether you need one shirt as a gift or 1,000 shirts for a charity walk, Underground can customize almost anything for groups large or small. To learn more, visit Underground Printing in one of our three convenient locations around Ann Arbor or online at undergroundshirts.com. It's painless. It's online. It's group ordering made easy for your next custom printed apparel order. Pogo from Underground Printing will save you time and hassle, whether you're selling shirts for a fundraiser, organizing a large event, or trying to collect sizes and payment for a family reunion, UGP is here to help. Save time and hassle every step of the way with our easy-to-use site. No more guessing what to order, chasing down people to pay, or wasting time trying to sort out the order. We'll set it up and you can just sit back and relax. We can even take care of individual shipping. To learn more about Pogo, visit us at any of our convenient locations or at pogo.undergroundshirts.com. Hey, it's Nick Hopwood, founder and president of Peak Wealth Management, your MGO financial coach, and it is our goal to help you retire with peak confidence. Check us out at peakwm.com slash blog. Bo says the team, the team, the team. Lately, my mantra has been the plan, the plan, the plan. Check out the Trust the Plan podcast. Search out my name, Nick Hopwood, on any platform and give us a follow. You know, we haven't updated this ad in over two years because since the last versions went live, we only had one Big Ten loss, and honestly, I'm a little superstitious. But for this ad, I just want to give a shout-out to all the loyal Wolverines and MGO blog fans who've reached out to us from as far as France, Japan, Seattle, San Francisco, Dallas, Florida, New York, and of course, all over the great state of Michigan. And you guessed it, we're pulling recruits out of Ohio as well, just like Harbaugh. Thank you very much. So no matter where life has taken you after your time in Ann Arbor, we're here to help you build a plan you can trust. If you're looking for a second opinion, visit us at peakwm.com slash mgoblog today. Hey, fellow Michigan fans, this is Matt Demarest, realtor and lender. For a decade now, you've heard me on the podcast talk about mortgages, and I've helped hundreds of fellow Michigan fans in that capacity, including Brian and Seth. But many of you don't know I'm a real estate broker as well. I promise to make buying, selling, or financing homes simple and cost-effective anywhere in the state of Michigan. Whether you're upsizing, downsizing, buying a vacation home, or building a real estate investment portfolio, send me a text or give me a call. It's never too early to make a plan, and the call is always free. My number is 734-882-8194. Again, 734-882-8194. Or you can find me online at realtorandlender.com. That's realtorandlender.com. 
Whether you want to buy, sell, or finance a home, or even all three, I promise to provide the experience so many of you have come to expect over the years. And as always, thank you, and go blue. NMLS 1011726, Equal Housing Lender. been informed I cannot say chicken nuggets when talking about venue, and I will not talk about the chicken nuggets. I will talk about the fried chicken sandwich, which is soaked in buttermilk for 24 hours and then fried and is delicious. You can get all kinds of sauces on it, and you get pickles, and you can get, like, last time I didn't want fries, so I didn't get fries. Instead, they gave me, like, like beautifully tender Brussels sprout hearts, and I was like, I didn't know Brussels sprouts could be like this, so come to venue. It's good. All right. The 2024 offense is faced with a fateful decision. <laughs> Immediately, out of the gate, and that is, what kind of quarterback are you rolling with? Because <clears throat> I've seen it work. I've seen Tim Tebow. Uh-huh. I've seen Denard Robinson. I've seen Alex Orgy. I think Alex Orgy can be that kind of guy, and I think it can work. Especially because, if you look at the skill position players on this offense, you have Khalil Mullings, who... <laughs> I mean, I know I'm in the tank for Khalil Mullings, but I went and like, I looked at his PFF scores uh-huh. for run blocking. And he only has like 25 at-bats, so low sample size here. But he was the fourth best running back in America as a run blocker. And if you add in tight ends, he drops to 17th. <laughs> that is wild. That is absolutely wild. And in the Bama game, he crushes a couple. He just, he just lays into a couple He also guys. lays out and makes a catch on the sideline. Yeah. But so he's such a versatile piece. Yeah. Like you can use him as a runner. You can use him as a lead blocker. Apparently you can throw to him out of the backfield. Basically that's, anything but a linebacker. That's, <laughs> oh, God. It is amazing how like how fluid and natural he seems as an offensive player. Uh-huh. It's yeah. just it's uh, unbelievable. Like he didn't do anything wrong the whole year on offense. <laughs> I know. And when he was on defense, I was like, please move. <laughs> just go go somewhere. <laughs> it's uh, it's some guys just have a different processing. Yeah. It's amazing. But so you have that guy. You have Don and Edwards, who like who's, as who's wide receiver one right now. Well, yeah, I mean, and you can motion him in. You can do a lot of stuff. You have Samaj Morgan, yeah, who looks like he might be one of the nation's top like Percy Harvin jet sweep threat type guys next year. You have Colson Loveland, a versatile tight end who you can you can put in line or flank out. You have Max Bredesen, one of the best blockers in space in America, the best blocking T in America this year, if not for his teammate AJ Barner, <laughs> and then you have. Tyler Morris, who's going to be a good wide receiver, and then you don't have a whole lot of other wide receiver parts. Uh-huh. And well, I don't. I don't I, was it weird that Clemens left? Like I felt like his playing time really had a chance to go up. I, yeah, I thought so. That's I, the second year in a row because Anthony did that the year before. 
Yeah, uh, and I think maybe the nature of the offense and the fact that the coaching shift was going to happen, like nobody was busy like recruiting Darius Clemens to come back because they didn't know what was happening next year. So that's a transition cost. But if you look at that, like I think even though Michigan's wide receiver depth is pretty sketchy, I think that'll start biting next year if they can't get some guys in. But this year, you have Morris, you have Edwards, and you have Colston Loveland, like Two of those guys technically aren't wide receivers, but I don't care. <laughs> well, we don't really know what Donovan Edwards is. He's kind of in everything. And this is, you know, last year we were like, this is the Donovan Edwards year. This one might be. And if you're trying to get your 11 best players on the field, I mean, is, there, is, is it feasible to have him and Morris and Morgan out as wide receivers and Loveland as a tight end? And then you have either an orgy or Warren and then you can rotate different running backs in. I mean, you can always mix and match some of those packages. I'm just talking about, can you go three wide with those three guys? Yeah, I think I mean, you can definitely split Loveland out. You can put Samaj in the slot. You can put Morris outside and then you can motion Edwards around. Like, I think they have skill position players with enough flexibility and depth that they're going to be fine next year. Cause like the first six guys, I think are all good players. So you have Mullings, you have Edwards, you have Colston Loveland, you have Max Bredesen, you have Tyler Morris, Samaj Morgan, and Samaj Morgan. And they still have the um, the two other wide receivers from last year, Freddie Moore and Carmelo English. Yeah, so yeah. they do have wide receivers on the they team. Have, they have Peyton O'Leary. Yeah, Peyton O'Leary, who got a crushing <laughs> block in the Rose Bowl. I uh, play that one for two yards. But uh, – <laughs> Yeah, Peyton O'Leary gets one clip in next year's preview, and it's crushing right. a guy in the Rose Are you just going to like put it in three times? No, but okay. it's like, that's, that's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, and then they do have a couple of tight ends coming up who could add to that. But if we're looking at this, it looks like Fritz Chrysler's wet dream, right? <laughs> it does, yeah. And like, it looks like... I thought you were not allowed to talk about the Mad Magicians because you were like, ah, stop talking about no, 1948 but, but stuff because I'm like all about 48 what, right now, now. Now it's like whenever one of those clips from like 1950 comes up and there's a spinning fullback, I'm like, I'm listening. <laughs> <laughs> Brian has converted his TV black back to black and white so that he can only get these clips. But unfortunately, these guys all died in the last couple of years. It would be great to like bring a couple of them back as analysts. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, but the golf cart but, that's taken. But, 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 <laughs> but, like, but, you would be great at this. All right. If you got to do this, you got to like commit to it. Yeah. Like you got to have live reads and you got to have the craziest single wing high school package. You got to, you got to, you got to, you got to find the guy who's like at Bellevue uh-huh. where Steve Schilling came from, where Steve Schilling never passed blocked in his life before coming to Michigan and be like, Hey, we got a job for you. That's one path. Mm-hmm. The other path. So can I just mention something on that? My only drawback to that is what Harbaugh did in the last off season is he went out and got Jack Tuttle and they have Davis Warren. And when we've watched Warren, you know, he had, we didn't see him as much this year, but in the year before you could see how he was in the JJ mold. And so when J.J. gets hurt, dinged up, you bring in Warren, and he's not going to be J.J., but he's going to be able to do the th- some of the things that J.J. could do. If you commit to what you're talking about yeah. and you have Alex Orgy, I mean, remember, the thing that people forget about Denard Robinson when he was here is he was hurt a lot. And Tate Forcier had to come in and bail them out of some games in 2010, and 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 um, Denard would get dinged up later in his career. Devin Gardner had to come in in 2012. So when you're going to run a guy like that, you have to have a guy that can do it in the backup. I mean, my buddy was a big Georgia Tech fan. He's like, hey, when we had the Paul Johnson offense and 
you ran the triple option. You didn't have one quarterback because he was going to go go out at some point. You better have two, sometimes three. Well, the two things I'd say about that is one, Alex Orgy is the kind of guy who physically is much better set up to handle the pounding. Sure. Um, and two, given the diversity of weapons on the team, he doesn't have to be like Denard Robinson where Michigan picks up 520 total yards and 494 of those are from Denard Robinson, right? So how many carries would you like ballpark he would need to have a game? 10, which is not 15. So the only – and, and that – makes sense the problem and this is a small sample size but that's all we have of him is that like every time yeah, he's, he's never had the ball he's never, he's never given it that's once he's, he's never have, handed the ball and off. then he's he he, the he was tried to throw it on the most obvious throwing down ever and ends up then running that too yeah so yeah. you're talking about i mean we have like one pass to freddie moore we're like oh that looked pretty good in the spring game. in the spring game yeah. yeah so i mean you're talking about a radical advancement in his ability to read multiple types of defenses okay, we don't know that because what did they do with jabril peppers they did the same thing with Jabril Peppers. I think they just suck at getting a guy like that prepared to be useful in like gadgety stuff. Gadgety stuff. Like, I think. That but if it's a- his full time job and yeah. he is, this is what you are going to do, and this is what we're going to do, then you think it could be better. I, I, well, I, especially because like if Alex Orgy screws up a read and there's a guy coming to him, he's probably still getting four yards. <laughs> Yeah, just gonna like, truck him. Yeah, we've we've seen Michigan like run into stack box with Alex Orgy, and instead of negative two yards, he gets two. Yeah. So he's the kind of guy where you can give him some leeway on the reads, and if he like accidentally keeps one he shouldn't keep, you know, oopsie, no big deal. All right, so how do you pass? <laughs> well, you got Denard on the team. Just ask him. No, I'm serious. <laughs> like that's a great question. So. Denard, Denard was a much Just better quarterback than the mouth breathers, and you and you charted this. Okay. Denard was was actually a good quarterback. He was he was limited. Okay, he was effective. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Well, let's compare what he was doing under Rich Rodriguez to what he was doing under Brady Hoke. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he was not effective under Brady Hoke. Remember that Notre Dame game where they had him run a waggle and they had two different defensive ends who were both half foot taller than him running at him and he threw a pick? Uh, yeah. The 2012 game, yeah. yeah. And it was just like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> I, well, like, and that, that was in year two. In that year, was in year two. I'm not saying put like, Alex Orgy under center here. No, but what, what I am saying is that context is in- incredibly dependent on like how good Denard looked. He was able to throw in a context where everybody was concerned with an 11-on-11 run game. Yeah. And so that's what you have to be. You have to be an 11-on-11 run game. That doesn't mean Alex Orgy is running it 20 times. It does mean he's a threat to run it on every play. So when you say you ideally run him 10-ish times, we'll even bump that up to maybe 12 or whatever, how many passes would you ideally envision him throwing a game? 20, maybe less. Like, you can go Air Force-ish with it because you can, like – there's gonna you're gonna have options with Samaj. You're gonna have options with with Edwards to hit the perimeter. Like you're gonna have the ability to lead it out with Kalel Mullings and Edwards behind him while Orgy goes the other way. I will tell you something. I do not think that teams like Ohio State, Oregon, USC, like the big boys on the schedule for next year, 
are probably going to be prepared for this offense. <laughs> well, also <laughs> that I that I will let, give you. Let's That's... think about USC as a big boy on defense. <laughs> well, yeah. okay, you know what I'm saying. Like the, the the games that when you look down Michigan's schedule, you circle like, okay, this game, this game. Like these are not teams that are going to be sitting. They're going to be sitting there but, being like. But everyone has cover one with a with five-man pressures on, in their pocket. Sure. Yeah, but cover one isn't going to cut it against this offense. You remember what happened when you tried to run cover one against Denard Robinson? Oh, with a guy, yeah, all the way up in the... Yeah, if you you got to bring that safety down, we too. Got, we got to do is you got to run the D'Antonio quarters defense. Yeah. And then it's like, can Alex Orangey hit that throw to Fred Moore? Okay. And, uh, well, and I think I think when, when so we're getting, Seth's... We're getting stuck on one question. So let's talk about the alternative. Okay. okay. The alternative is... Alex Orgy is sort of a gadget guy and maybe comes in in the red zone and he's that guy in your offense. He's freshman Tim Tebow. And then your starting quarterback is one of Davis Warren, Jaden Denegal, or Kendrick Davis. Kendrick Jane Bell. Da- Kendrick <laughs> Bell moved to wide receiver. Yeah. Okay. Um, or they managed to bring in a transfer. I know UCLA's quarterback just hit the portal. Their other quarterback? Yeah, they're not Dante Moore quarterback. And so not, also can't, theory, theoretically, can't you just go like, I know Michigan doesn't want to do this, but can't they just go purchase a guy? I mean, I feel like everyone else is doing this. Can't they just go to a roster and be like, hey, we haven't lost – we've lost three games in three years. Why don't come be our quarterback? Well, those guys already hit the portal. and they There's are, none left? There's none left. But there are people on rosters that can transfer whenever they want. <sighs> yeah, but – I mean, Mason Graham could leave Michigan and go play for Texas to, if he wants to. Well, at this point, you're looking at a post-spring transfer because yeah, you, know, right. you got to enroll in the school. Yeah, that's unless true. Their co- unless their head coach has left. What you could do is go get someone's head coach <laughs> and then and then grab their quarterback because once the head coach transfers, then the the portable's open for that. Yeah, that and so like, but like, what is we have coaching spots available? What? But what does that feel like to you? Like, it feels like I don't know how confident I feel in anybody's ability to do anything at a high level other than Alex Orgy running the ball. You like, mean of the players on the roster? Yeah, like Denegal. I would agree completely with Denegal that. looked okay. Davis Warren looked okay. Um, I think Warren is the guy that you're like, all right, he probably knows what to do. He's sort of like the advanced stages of Cade, not physically, but mentally now. Well, but can he, he, he looked terrible against and like the time they used him last year, he like threw a pick and right. and probably deserved to throw another pick. Correct. You're you're right about that, but at least he's been in the offense for three years. I'm just saying what I saw of him last year, unless there was like a really good reason. Yeah, well we've was, seen like, stuff at the spring game and like he his his play the year prior and then he got hurt. So we don't know okay. if he was actually healthy yeah. for that stuff. Or if he had been practicing much, it's just a whole bunch of unknowns. And, you know, ideally, you get like the Georgia playbook where it's like, yeah, our quarterback is a walk on. Eh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> right? We'll just put five stars everywhere. Right. And like Michigan <laughs> can't quite do that Not on really. offense, but we've talked about the fact that even without like an Alex Orgy single wing offense, you're going to be real run heavy. You got a lot of different options you can you can have and you're probably going to have some good success because even though Michigan was turning over their entire offensive line you're looking at a six-year Miles Hitton, a senior G.O.L. Hottie a senior Greg Crippen uh, a fifth-year or sixth-year senior Josh Preeb fourth-year Raheem Anderson uh, yeah, I don't know if he's going to start and then well, but he's, he's in the mix for the guards and center spots <laughs> yeah, but I don't think anyone in the guard and center competition is going to be able to kick out the tackle so mm. Uh, and then t- tackle, you know, Andrew Gentry, maybe Jeff yeah. Percy. I mean, you're the 
Tristan, or yeah, the Gentry guy. I, I mix Gen- him bounds up. Gentry sometimes. is the guy that one of our metrics is always if they're talking about you when they don't have to talk about you, you're probably good. Yeah, the best case scenario Gentry's is that they guy. just install Gentry at left tackle, and then we're done. And he's the guy that went on the mission. Yeah, so, so he's, he's older, old, and yeah. he's now been in the program for two years. And he's huge. And he's yeah. massive. Yeah. yeah. And like personally, I would rather have Miles Hinton at right tackle. Uh-huh. Yes. Because, you know. Yes. Yeah. Um, but. Even though they turn over that line, it feels like it could be kind of like a Wisconsin situation because you've got guys who have been waiting very patiently in line. Yeah. I mean, you have an established high-level offensive line coach who's now the head coach. Like, I just don't think there's going to be a huge drop-off. Drop-off, yes. There has to be some, but yeah. At guard, I think they could be a little bit better at tackle this year because Ladarius Henderson is a guard, right? Like, they were basically Mm -hmm. playing five guards this year. Until Trente came in. Um, I really wanted to see what the line would look like with Trente and oh, Center God, next to yeah. each other. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, so I do feel like you could be a very good football team basically, yeah, running the Cade offense. Just being like, yep, this is what we do. And if we're going to do that, I would make Mullings RB1 and have Edwards be the gadget guy because I don't want to run a gazillion duos. With Edwards. That's not his that's not his forte. All right, let's take a break here, come back and talk about that. Hey, it's Nick Hopwood, certified financial planner, founder and president at Peak Wealth Management. Check us out at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. When you're watching the game, everyone knows what the score is. But you might be at halftime of your career. Do you know what the score is? Are you winning or do you need to play catch up? If you're behind in the second half of your career financially, we may need to run a hurry up offense like John Navarre in the 2003 game at Minnesota, or run a three-quarter court press after a made free throw like Coach Howard likes to call. My team of CFPs at Peak Wealth Management are here to help you understand what the score is and what you need to do to win. Your spreadsheet doesn't tell you the score like we can. If you're going to spend all your free time watching replays of the 2021-2022 Ohio State games on repeat, you need to outsource your financial planning and investing with us at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. At Peak, our goal is to help you retire with Peak Confidence. Maize and Blue Nation, it's Tom Brady. I co-founded Autograph with one mission in mind, change the fan experience for the better. That's why I'm excited to announce the release of a new app that recognizes the biggest Michigan fans. The Autograph fandom app gives you access to the best Michigan content, fan challenges, and exclusive rewards for diehard Wolverines, all for doing the things you already do like listening to this podcast. Head over to the Apple App Store and search for Autograph Rewarding Fans and download today. Hi, I'm Pete Cavarilla, owner of Sharon's Heating and Air Conditioning. Now that the temperatures are dropping in Michigan, you can count on our vast network of service technicians to keep your heating system up and running. We offer 24-7 emergency service and have advanced scouting on all makes and models. So if you find yourself without heat or hot water or want a free estimate on a new system, Call or text us at 734-238-3698 or book an appointment at SharonsHeating.com. I can't believe I'm doing this. If you find yourself in the penalty box, you want a Michigan man arguing your case, call criminal law attorney and former prosecutor Jonathan Paul tonight. It's 248 924-9458. Or visit his old website at michiganlawgrad.com. Oh, 
Myself dripped out in Cartier, like Cartier. It's effortless toast. Yes, I'm the boss. Tennis, you dog. And we watching cartoons right here live like TV. For the money back start, I'm pulling up with horns real close like beep beep. Not just me deep, but I'm here first. And we making all type of magic. But you're bringing all type of static. My homie, I cannot have it. War game, it is my habit. I be getting high at the crib. On the stage in the clouds when the show's over. Randy, Jason, I need takes hotter than KC Tomanaga, and that's the only basketball reference we're going to make on this podcast. <laughs> Unless, I mean, you guys do, but that was that's my hope. God, he's hot. God, he's hot. We've done nothing. We were good. We didn't bring up basketball. We got to say something about it, and I that's what even, we said. I didn't even bring up the fact that we beat Wisconsin in basketball. Seth, give me your hottest take. You're going to love this one. Ready? Yes. Michigan can't retain their coaches because of the Ann Arbor housing market. <laughs> uh, oh, that's, that's that was nice. great. That's just like, end of, of, <laughs> like oh, oh, let's bat this around a little bit. Because I found out. End of podcast. We're done. Because I found out yeah. Kirk Campbell is still renting a place because he cannot find a house. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude. Right. It's, it's like it's like. So I, don't they all live? Don't they all live in Celine anyway? That's what they're, they're having to buy places in Celine because you can't get like a half windowless closet <laughs> they, in Arbor. They they're the, the, they've proposed a seventeen story student focused apartment building, literally next to Rick's. <laughs> literally next to Rick's. Is that a good thing? Yeah. And the planning commission was like, we don't like this. Don't. Yeah. We recommend denial. And it's going to city council. And if city council doesn't approve that, I will be very upset. And you started this. <laughs> you started it. <laughs> All you got me on this. To live there. <laughs> I, no, I did live this there. on purpose. I knew what I was doing. It's like, <laughs> it's like, what do you want to talk about instead of basketball? They're nimbying the alleys where people throw up after going to Rick's. <laughs> we, we need to so we need to put more throw up trash cans everywhere. Oh. Just it's called like it'll be called hold my hair back spots. All around <laughs> it's like uh, those the the roller coaster tycoon, right? Where you just keep building the trash cans near the the roller coasters because when all the people That's get right. off, they start throwing up. And then, <laughs> I've never yeah, played roller coaster it. tycoon. Okay, so. so yeah, if we if the Ann Arbor housing market would get fixed, then we could keep a guy like Clinscale and Elston and whatnot. <sighs> but they can't buy a house in town, Brian. Mm-hmm. Oh, all right, we got to move on. I'm getting angry. <laughs> Dave, give me your hottest take. Michigan should have kidnapped Fred Hoiberg on the way back from Nebraska. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the mayor. If you, if you can win at Iowa State and Nebraska. Is he winning this year? Yeah, they're yeah, like, they've won like 17 games. They're really? going to the tournament. Yeah, they're they're over 500 they in the Big Ten. They haven't won a game on the road, and they're still going to the tournament. Yeah, they have not won. A, they probably should have won that Illinois game, but yeah. Take in the Big Ten, too. I think they beat KSU on the road. Is there uh, one? But I mean, like, I watched a ton of Iowa State when he was there, and like he'd bring in transfers and yeah. he'd develop guys, and he he also he I mean he got Monte Morris. Yeah. So like, mm-hmm. I don't know, and he's not clearly not going to the NBA because he's tried it twice and it didn't work. So that's the guy. And he, and he brings his son, who's a guard, so we'll actually have some guard depth. Yeah, he's like five foot six guard. He's not like a player. No, but, but he's, he's like one of those annoying walk-ons who wears a headband that like every coach's son is, except for our coach's son. <laughs> like, when he, like when... no, 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 no more commentary on that. This, this is... we're going to get in lots of trouble. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
No, this when he a... came out of the womb, he slapped the floor. That's... <laughs> <laughs> Randy, give me your hottest take. We may have leveraged too much to win the championship. No, <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. Never. Nothing is too much. I said may. Okay. <laughs> I oh. said may. Okay. Uh, I don't know. Here's my here's my thing. I think that every time in the cur- current games of anything, hockey or basketball are being played, I said this last time, just go back and rewatch the Rose Bowl. Go back and rewatch the uh, national championship game. Just go back and rewatch clips of that. Just... That's all you got to do. Don't read anything. Don't do that. Just go back and do that. And listen to this podcast because it's fun. Yeah. That's what you have to do. This is what you have to do, Michigan, just because that's what we, 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 we got a championship. Let's, let's, that's, let's focus on that. Oh yeah. It took us like what? uh, 27 years to do it. Let's like, Give it six months before I get grabby about stuff. Yeah, there's so yeah. many mad people online, and I'm like, if you are mad, yeah, about yeah. Michigan sports at this juncture, you are hopeless. No, well, it, it just says more about who you are in your personal life. Yeah, yes. you gotta love it. You gotta just love it. Go ahead, Jason. Jason, give me your hottest take. Jim Harbaugh next Wednesday names his new offensive coordinator Sharon Moore. <laughs> <laughs> that would all right, that would actually be entertaining, but no, it would not. Oh, it would, we we would, not we would have we would have so much. I know, I know. I just said like you got to give it six months. If that happened, I would lose my mind. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, and I just gave I him mean, the Ann Arbor housing market to blame oh, oh for it God. too. Oh so. my God. I know. Seth, you gave him an out. How dare you give him an out? <laughs> you would go nuclear. It's, uh, it's insane. Yeah, nuclear prize uh, entertaining. The double ba- the double backing on stuff is just insane. You just are sort of like, well, no one nothing is safe here, is it? I guess not. Not in college sports. No. No, it, it, I just saw a TikTok video of like it just said this is Oakland and it was a guy at an Apple store just ripping Every device off of the thing, putting it in his pockets and walking out and getting into a car and leaving. And I'm like, that's what Jim Harbaugh is doing. So. <laughs> I mean, which one of these has felt the worst to you? When they, like, I, like, I was prepared for Minter to leave. I was not sure. prepared yeah, for like, all Elston that. to go for – yeah. I, I don't know. It makes sense. Elston I mean, and Clinkscale were like that. We had Clinkscale, and like it was all reported by everybody that you had him. And then for right, told the players, we- right? That 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 part to me is a little like, okay, there's got to be a lot more to this that we're yeah. not hearing. But I don't know. I was just kind of like, if Harbaugh leaves and guys are like, dude, we just won a national championship, we go right. win a Super Bowl. I mean, I think the story with those guys know. was if they were going to be the defensive coordinator, they're in. They were going to be the defensive coordinator, and. The fact that they were not hired as defensive coordinator probably meant to them that, like, okay, either I'm going to sit behind Wink and Hope in two years or time to take the next step. But Elston's, like, been a D-line coach forever, like – I know. And he's he's not, like, super young. And he's a Michigan guy. Like, he came here because he was a Michigan guy and he was one of those dudes – who like every all but the people who I wanted mean, like the Lloyd years back wanted Elston for for but ages. it's like the it's like the Costanza thing right so he tells the joke and he leaves the room like yeah. you gotta leave yeah. on a high note if you can you gotta leave on a high note yeah. wait can I change can I change my hot take Brian sure. will you team me up for my hot take again Randy give me your more. hottest take I gotta be more positive all hail our new savior Steve Casula. <laughs> 
All right. This guy's going to take us to the promised land. Brady Prescorn and Hogan Hansen to the <laughs> Hogan Hansen. There we, go. we didn't even Hogan talk about Hansen. that. Yeah, we, yeah. We talked Hogan about Hansen and Brady Prescorn straight to the top, baby. Throwing a little bit of Marlon Klein, a little Wiener Schnitzel, and we're there. Five tight ends. And Dude, that's it. What, oh what God, we, that okay. would, That's how we get Harbaugh back. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, all right, all right, I'm in. He's like five tight ends. I didn't think of that on, one. He's in the NFL having his fun, and he turns on the Michigan game, and it's just all tight ends. <laughs> right. No wideouts. Like, no no wideouts. Wide it's like, do you know, like in the in cartoons when when we were young watching cartoons, and like a pie would be baking on a shelf, and like the smoke would come up as like a finger, and it would just lift the person. To, that's uh-huh. what we're <laughs> five tight ends lineup. Harbaugh is like coaching, and all of a sudden he kind of looks up. <laughs> It's SoFi Stadium, and like he gets lifted off the ground and then back. <laughs> well, they never ran that play that the Zinner and Keegan wanted, where it was like ten tight ends, right? <laughs> ten OL, ten OL, and like like Sharon Moore was like, these people have been talking to me. <laughs> this is the thing that they said, I, and I was like, you should do that. Yeah, I I think we need to hire. He's not probably not a coach, but who is that? Mike Mamula, remember him, so that we can have Kasula and Mamula. I would <laughs> that would make me happy if we. He had was Kasula. the number seven pick in the NFL draft. Went to the Eagles largely on a combine. Yeah. Thing. Well, well done. And then for D line coach, we get do Tom Sula. The, okay. No, Kasula, <laughs> Mamula, and Tom Sula. No, no, no. I, that's, that's a bridge too far. <laughs> Do you have a shirt with him on? You, I used to. It got so old, far. I couldn't wear it anymore. Okay. But well, when well, they hired him, is, San Don, is Don Shula still? <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right, this has been funny. Stop that uh, rhyming, and I mean it. <laughs> All right. Anybody want to paint it? Oh my god. Oh my God. You got to do yours. Yeah, I got to do mine. Oh, shit. I forgot it. <laughs> oh, no, here we go. It. I got it. Michigan will have six different players with at least 500 yards from scrimmage next year. Ooh. Okay. So we got, I'm not counting passing yards, just rushing okay. and receiving okay. yards. You got Tyler Morris, Edwards, yep. Mullings, Samaj, yep. mm-hmm. Loveland. 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 Uh-huh. Alex Orgy. Whoa. Ooh. In, like in, in rushing or receiving? Uh, I think rushing for orgy. Rushing. Can we combine them? Can you? No, it's combined. Yeah. Right. So like, so as long as he throws for two fifty and runs. Here's, for the, here's the problem with this. What? Tyler Morris getting five hundred yards of receiving. Yeah. So that was that's the sketchiest. <laughs> Who's one, gonna really? throw? Are we just running those <laughs> jump passes from Khalil Mullings to him, or what? <laughs> that's, that's a full on NCAA receiver. I don't know if we can ask. Well, that. I mean, like, that's half. You know, a, that's half way, a everything season. else we're that's fine. Like, everything else you're right fine. on. Everything else, yeah. like Donovan Edwards, easily. Easily, he hits that. I think what about Mullins. the kid for the freshman? Jordan Marshall. Jordan Marshall. I, we, we've, like, we talked about this on this podcast. I feel like he's going to get about 50 carries. He's going to be freshman quorum where he's clearly very talented, but there's just not enough snaps. And Ben Hall right. is ahead of him. We'll, we'll yeah, see. True. I think both those guys are going to be like electric and garbage time. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, we can get some. We will. There'll be some garbage. Yeah. Oh, we will. We All will. right. Thank you, guys. If you can't get enough scars, hit up their site. They are touring constantly. And check out the Nosebleeds, their reboot of Cheap Seats on UFC Fight Pass. And they're coming and to Detroit. We'll be in Detroit. We'll be there February 29th, March 1st, March 2nd at uh, the Comedy Castle in Royal Oak, Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle. Great venue. The first place we ever performed. They got paid to do it. So uh, come see us there. It's really – we're excited to come back to our old stomping grounds. All right. Thank Thanks, you, guys. guys. Yep. Super Thank fun. You. All right, Seth. As you were saying. 
if we're going to be the same offense we were last year, or a version of it, like the Cade version of it or whatever, I would make Kalel Mullings RB1 and not Donovan Edwards, because Edwards is not your run duo 12 times a game and get the read right every time kind of guy. Washington disagrees. Well, he has a couple of times that he's done it. You're correct. But over the course of his year and, and, and career, you're not going to get every team's linebackers jumping three okay. caps out of the way. <laughs> okay, but how about this argument? Is that after Quorum went out uh-huh. in 2022, uh-huh. yeah, how did he look in the Purdue game? Like, what happened when he got, like, a steady diet? He looked excellent in the Purdue game. In the Ohio State game, if you recall, a couple of times – I mean, Ohio State was they were slamming like madmen. But there were a couple of times when he did have the – when he could have made a balance and gotten some yards and instead got minus two. I like, mean, that's been Edwards' so thing. The, the thing about Edwards in 2022 is that it really felt like it was coming. Like, he was making cuts against Rutgers that I was like, oh, yes, oh, baby. Uh-huh. And, like – like I remember in the UFRs that you're complaining about him very consistently, and then it was the John Runyon thing, where it's right. like, is he doing this right? I think he's doing this right. He's doing this right. And then last year, just I don't know what happened. Yeah, like, well, just kind of fell off a cliff. I think in some senses he came. I mean, he had to come back because he was only a junior, but I think he probably thought Blake was leaving. And then yeah, now he's sort of goes back to being either the backup slash gadget slash third down slash whatever. It, it's also possible that no, Michigan I don't think was it's running gonna, a couple things. I don't think him. it's going to be a, a situation where there is a clear RB one. I think it's going to be like a quorum Haskins. But don't you kind of want to? I don't know. Maybe I'm just crazy, but like, don't you kind of want to split them out and just like? Oh yeah. No, let's just like, let's just okay. Let's, your touches are the ball is in the air to you. No, because then you can't use Mullings as a lead blocker. I mean, they're like they have Ben Hall and and Marshall coming in no, too. No, no, no. So oh, yeah, Marshall is actually a good good shout. Like I forgot about him, mm-hmm. but I think especially when paired with a quarterback run game, Donovan Edwards attacking the perimeter is amazing. And we we've seen a little bit of a resurgence of what we used to call inverted veer because of smart football, but is now more commonly known as just power read, mm-hmm. where you threaten the outside with the running back. And then if the defensive end hops outside, your quarterback keeps the ball, and then you have a puller for him. So your quarterback gets vertical, which is an Alex Orgy play that I don't want to see Davis Warren running. <laughs> but the prospect of threatening people outside with Donovan Edwards and then going straight up the gut, that's one of the reasons that it's so attractive to have this sort of single wing system. <clears throat> but, I mean, Mullings is going to be out there a lot, mm-hmm. and Edwards is going to be out there a lot, and I think – what you want is you want Edwards snaps to be about 50-50 between running back and wide receiver. Yeah. So that once he's out there, you really don't know what your personnel should be. Well, right now, the personnel that you match him with is a safety every time. If you're not matching with a safety, you're You're, you're, you're in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's eyes light up the moment he's on a line. You're like Mike McRae. <laughs> <laughs> and, Do you remember this happening this yeah. year? Yes. <laughs> and what I want to suggest is that if Alex Horchie is the quarterback and Kalel Mullings is on the field and you put a safety out there, you're going to die. Uh-huh. You're going to – you can't you can't run light boxes against that personnel. So it really poses a question for every defense out there, like, how am I going to do this? Because if you're trying to get a safety up there and he's being blocked by Kalel Mullings, that guy's going to fly into the sideline. Like, he's going to be hurled into the first row. Or if he's going to try to tackle Alex Orgy, I mean, the question is, like, can Alex Orgy complete 60% well, that's, of his passes? I mean, yeah. that's where we end up. But, like, 
I mean, you can always do bubbles and you can always do all kinds of stuff. And then you save up your, you know, darts for the time where the safety is freaking out. So does this divert from like Michigan's, a lot of Michigan's offensive philosophy that, you know, smash and like that kind of thing? I mean, that it's they pretty talk smash. About? I don't think it changes much of anything for the offensive line. Right? Like, well, okay, but they're still running power. You're still running, and and you can run a lot of duo with with quarterback lead. Like, that's very doable as well. Oh, my God, yeah. You motion out Edwards. Uh huh. (laughs) You lead (laughs) Alex Orgy with Kalel Mullins. You're getting so happy right now. It's just, it's just, ah, it's like, I don't know. I, I'm concerned that I'm too enthusiastic about this because we haven't seen Alex Orgy read anything. Yeah. And we, we've barely seen him throw anything. Well, and that's the thing is how many snaps do you think he's taken at Michigan? Like 50? <laughs> yeah. But yeah. this is information that Kirk Campbell already has. Well, one thing that is also concerning is that when it came down to garbage time, it was never him. Yeah. It was always Warren or Denegal. Well, because they were, they were closer analogs to – or it was Tuttle. It was Tuttle. Tuttle. But they were closer analogs to J.J. than Orgy. Orgy was just a different – like, that's not his deal. I mean, also, the program was trying to feed everybody, and it was – I suppose. Yeah. I guess that's probably the case, too. So, there's a lot of questions out there, and I won't be surprised if, like, it doesn't go Orgy's way. I mean, another question is, who's Kirk Campbell, and what kind of offense does he expect to run? Because Campbell is a quarterback's coach who, like, recruited Javon Davis to play – Throw the ball, quarterback. Yeah, and so I. It's not like we have, you know, if they made Denard the quarterback coach, then we'd be like, okay, here we go. I mean, if <laughs> if if we're projecting forward, I mean, he is available for analyst type duties. Yeah, we pro- projecting forward, we are kind of thinking that in twenty five, we're expecting Jaden Davis to at least challenge, if not win the job. I mean, that's what they recruited him for, right? Yeah. So you wouldn't. So what you're, what we're suggesting or what you're suggesting or what we've been discussing now for quite a while on this podcast is a complete shift to something for a year and then sort of pivoting back to it. No, I mean, it. Alex Orgy has two more years. Right. But you wouldn't run that if Jaden Davis beats him out and he's in, and Jaden Davis isn't beating him out in that offense. Yeah. I mean, if we're... I mean, if it works, like, I mean, you know, like... Yeah. We're going to graduate Orgy with no receivers on the roster. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, and that's the thing is then you I don't know if <laughs> like in the modern era of college football, if you can look that far ahead. Yeah, I, right? I, I you're yeah. you're you're not wrong. Um, I, it's hard for me to see. I, I don't think that what we've discussed here doesn't make sense in the short term, but it also is difficult for me to see this coaching staff saying, all right, let's get radical. Well, I mean, it just seems like the thing that gives you the most success in year one, and then gives you momentum, right? Like, so if all right, let me ask you this then: if they somehow pulled a quarterback out of nowhere, I don't know who he is, I don't know where he is, but he shows up and isn't JJ, but is some version between JJ and Cade in that realm. Are you fine with running similar things that they did last year? I guess. I mean, it doesn't I, have to be the same, and they you can tweak it, and you can get more creative and explosive. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying like. You, to switching sort of philosophies. I mean, you got a talent in Orgy, and you got to figure out how to use him, right? Yeah. Like at at, at some point, like he's got to get at least a few series a game, and uh, I just I don't know if that's going to happen unless he's like the full time guy because he does need a different philosophy. And one thing you saw this year is that Michigan just didn't really have much read in the offense at all. Like 
they just kind of <laughs> dropped that out. They have any? <laughs> I mean, they, they threw a couple. They maybe threw one RPO. There was there were a few RPOs or whatever. Yeah. But like, this is not something that you're going to be able to get away with with an orgy. You got to have yeah. live reads, and I just don't know if philosophically if they're they're there yet. And maybe that's a gym thing, and that'll change. I think the younger guys are going to be more likely to be like, oh yeah, RPOs, let's go. Um, but we haven't really talked about the alternatives very much. We kind of briefly touched on them. I mean, are there alternatives that are like that e- any of us sit here and think, yeah, this can beat Oregon, Ohio State, and that's whoever. kind of the thing. I mean, but it could if your defense is very, very salty, which it looks like it will be. But that's then not about the offense. It's about the defense. Yeah. And, and like, I think Orgy has more upside. I think he has more downside. Because if you commit to him and then it's not just not working out and you're like, okay, now we got to throw away the whole offense. Yeah. I mean, at that point, honestly, I mean, this is not what I want. But, like, if you're not going to do what we suggested with Orgy, then, I mean, doesn't it make just as much sense to try to hope that Jaden Davis wins the job? I mean, I wouldn't write off Denegal. He looked okay. Like, he's not a runner. Um, he's spate. Yeah, Spate almost beat Ohio State as, yeah. in, his, in, in his like third or fourth year. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not saying it like, oh, he's well, Spate. I'm not, that's not an option. I'm saying he's Spate. That's he's a floor. I guess. I mean, uh, it's gonna be tough going from first round quarterback to floor. <laughs> solid Spate. Big Ten player <laughs> to maybe Wilton Spate. I, I got news for you about 2024 versus 2023. Well, I'm Brian. just yeah. Like, well, <laughs> we're trying to keep it rolling here. I just yeah. uh, like I, I don't want to write off the other guys, but. Like, it just feels unlikely that they're going to be as threatening in the ways that I think Orgy can be threatening, which I think I've said about four times. Well, yeah, he is he is a guy who gives you something. He, there's there's definitely a skill there that is going to make defenses have to use more than one guy to account for him, right? It's not like they're just going to be like, okay, that, that's the quarterback. Be let, let's, let, let's roll. He gives you – he makes a problem for the defense. And then – your opportunities come from the problems that he creates. You know, JJ's problem that he created for defense is he could throw the ball anywhere all over the field at any time or run it, and he's going to find, you know, and he's going to have a system that's going to get you completely off balance. I mean, that is that is a very proven way of moving the ball. You know, if Orgy is going to be the guy, he's going to have to be decent enough to take advantage of the space that Orgy gives you. That's what he's got to be. Yeah. So like he's going to need open guys, but if there's anyone on this uh, team that's going to generate a lot of open guys. Right. The, the other thing is that I think the thing that he needs to do, and this is something that we can't really speak to because we haven't seen him in practice and all that, that the coaching staff or, well, some of the coaching staff that's left has seen, is that with this defense, like he can't turn it over. Like, yeah, you, you I mean, the one thing that Cade did really well, even though he did, wasn't always the biggest playmaker, was he didn't give the ball to the other team and let Michigan's defense suffocate you. And that Michigan's defense is built to do that mostly again. So the thing that's going to bite them is if Orgy gives them the ball at the plus 25. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like that's less likely if you are very run heavy right like well what it means is like when you're talking about like the completing (laughs) balls right Mm -hmm. and so it's not even just can he complete at that rate it's can he not hit safeties and linebackers in the chest once you start facing decent defenses well the idea is that when he drops back to pass and he's going after a safety or linebacker that they are five yards from the line of scrimmage and screaming oh god no 
Well, and that probably will happen sometimes. Just the other times it can't be. I mean, there's definitely a chance that like you run up against a defense that just doesn't need to load the box against you and beefs up. Well, Texas. This, this year, Texas, yeah, they lost those two guys. But but they're getting guys for next year, right? Yeah, but they lost the two the two tackles. The, both of them are gone? So And then Ohio State, they'll have JTT back. They'll have Sawyer back. They'll have... Tyleek Williams, I believe. Tyleek Williams. So that's that could be a situation where it's just like, yeah, they don't have to go crazy about it. Yeah. They just shut Michigan down. Frighteningly, Georgia message boards talk about Kenneth Grant an awful lot. Like that's their that's where they're focusing right now. Well, what, I mean, that was he was following guys on like Texas and Oregon and stuff like that. Basically, he <laughs> followed, the, he followed the Texas coaches. Yeah, I mean, that's I mean, the transfer portal is closed what now, I, right? So he couldn't be there for spring ball. No, he can he can enter the portal up to thirty days after. Harbaugh left. Yeah. Oh. Which is one of the reasons I don't know if he's going to be able to enroll, but I well, guess that's what I meant. Georgia, yeah. they're just like, whatever. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that we've heard through Sam and whatnot is that Michigan's NIL program has kind of stepped it up and that we're, the concern level is not as high as – our concern level is probably too high and Michigan is going to be able to retain – is, is going to be able to at least match most numbers that come for those guys. And a lot of the guys that we're talking about now are like one-off guys, right? Like there's a really good chance that Graham, Grant, Loveland, that crew is probably leaving I'm, after yeah. one year. I mean, so the concern is that one of these schools gives him like $3 million or something like that. Michigan's like, uh, that's our budget. <laughs> what is Stephen Ross even for? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's what's your what's your why is he alive? Well, no, it's like if we're going to have Stephen Ross, what's why why are we having such problems here? That's a different discussion. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> um, I mean, we're, going back to the offense, the there's not a lot of guys from last year's team that are coming back, so you are going to have to starters. Not a lot of starters. Yeah, there's a lot of depth. There was a lot of depth, and yeah. there were a lot of and I'm and. Trust that the guys behind Keegan and Zinter were probably pretty good. Plus, we got Preby to, to add to that mix. Yeah, you got a, a third-team All-Big Ten offensive lineman who's got a high floor. Yeah. You have Gio Alhadi, who looked like a pretty good player until he had to meet Jerzon Neutron, Newton as a true uh, uh, redshirt, redshirt freshman. freshman. Yeah, He's had another two years of development. I have every confidence that he's going to be very good. He was a big recruit. Yep. Greg Crippen has been talked up in the program, and they recruited over him with, you know, a Remington winner. Notre Dame wanted him, right? Yeah, a Remington winner and a guy who is the best center in the Pac-12, according to Pro Football Focus. No shame in that. He should be good. Um, and then you have Raheem Anderson, who you probably can plug into any one of those three spots. Yeah, and I, I, I've liked what I've seen from Anderson on the field so far. Uh, and Miles Hidden is probably not going to be like an All-American type guy. But when he got in late in the year... He had clearly improved. Yeah. Uh, he was leaning less. And when he gets it right. <laughs> and he'll have a full off season now. Like he got here late last year. Right. And yeah. there was just some jankiness to his game. You, like you said, you could see his upside. You could see his positives. Well, the system he was coming from in, in Stanford was like long mesh reads and like yeah, past yeah. The line of scrimmage <laughs> because it might be an RPO. Yeah. And just watching him play, I was like, how am I supposed to learn anything from this tape? Yeah. Uh, so I think, yeah, I think he's got a, a good ch- a good case to step forward in a big way. And then I think it's, you know, going into next year, we're going to be talking about, like, who's your guy? Uh-huh. My guy next year is Gentry. And it's like... It's not Mullings? It's his, just his profile. is like a guy who, you know, was a huge recruit. Literally. W- went on a mission, <laughs> came back. And this year, they have four NFL tackles. 
And they're still talking about Gentry, like, oh, yeah, look at this guy. Look at this guy. Um, in a way that historically has been a very good sign. So I think next year that offensive line could maintain its level from this year, which was not the A it was a couple years ago. Yeah. It was a B-plus line. It wasn't the best line in America. But, you know, I think there will be continuity there. And I, I do think that they will be good. And then you just need... It's also been a long time now, which is kind of a happy, weird thing to say, since Michigan has not had a good offensive line. Right. And they haven't had to throw anyone to the Wolves since, like, Zach Zinner. Yeah. yeah. But I, I'm not talking about 20. I mean, like, you go back to 19 and then even for long stretches of 18, it was good. The last time that Michigan's had a real, real problem for an extended period of time on the O-line was 2017. Yeah. The less Drevno year. <laughs> so, I mean, how long ago does that feel? Yeah, it, when we're talking about like, okay, what are we going to do with Alex Orgy or guy who kind of feels like a Wilton Spate? Well, you need your line yep. to step yeah. up. Yeah, and that's probably why they went and got Preby, and now they have some depth at guard. And I mean, it would be nice to get either one more tackle to pop in addition to Gentry or find another tackle. But I mean, you have Percy who also had a start a couple years ago. Didn't look great in that start, but also was a Didn't look game great in yeah. spring game last year. <laughs> well, it, competition level factors in a lot there. Sure. So like he's, they, they also moved him to guard last year, which was another mark on Gentry. They moved him over to so yeah. Gentry, give you the tackle. But yeah, I, I mean, they have they have a, a level two. They're, they're level three linemen. Or, they're, there's like a, a, a gap now between like the, the guys. Two, I mean, the two deep yeah. still feels pretty good. And it does feel like there are multiple options at the spots where you need guys to come through. And I think that you pretty much have four slots on the line nailed down already. So who are these other tight ends that you were? Well, I mean, Marlon Klein and probably not going to hit, I don't think. But you have the two guys who will be redshirt freshmen this year and they're Harbaugh recruited tight ends. Marshall. Marshall and uh, Tony Ellie. I mean, you don't think Marlon Klein's going to hit because they, they've been talking him up too. He just feels redundant with Loveland. Like, well, yeah. I, I mean, he, what he has is speed. He's faster than Loveland. He's wide receiver speed. Yeah, and honestly, like, hey, we have an opening there. I mean, you could, you could <laughs> like, We, we talked about yeah. moving Eric Aldo wide receiver for a year or two. I mean, if you want to fun chess him, I'm, I'm listening to that. But yeah. like, in terms of, like, we need an inline blocker, I just can't see it happening. I mean, it's also possible that, like, Priestcorn comes in and is, That's uh, the other guy. is Loveland immediately because he's a guy that people have been talking about for years. Okay, but we don't, we don't need Loveland. We have Loveland. We need A.J. Barner. <laughs> yeah. Well, I got – I mean – I mean, we do, well, Bredesen will be yeah. a facsimile of that, but the ability to put both of them out there. And, and Loveland is progressing. So he was, uh, like, he was matched up against Moore in the uh, Rose Bowl, Malachi Moore, and he, he whipped him. Yeah. He he beat him. He beat him down. Well, I think. <laughs> Thanks for your Bama impression there. I I don't think it's the. This is like gets me talking about the Michigan hockey defense. But like, it's not that like they can't. He can't do it. It's we need to see the level of consistency. Well, he's never going to have that consistency. Yeah. Well, like, and that's I, AJ Barner is literally the best tight end, tight end blocker I have ever chartered at this school. And he was the, literally the best player in the country in tight end blocking to pro football focus. Like, you can't get better than A.J. Barner. Well, but you have, yeah. can you get in the ballpark? I mean, no. they, <laughs> <laughs> you can't come close. They went and found well, – You okay. can't improve. Okay. They went and found Barner on the Indiana offense. So it's possible that, like, there's I mean, a transfer portal guy. There's another wild card out there. Michigan got – he's a former Illinois quarterback. Josh Beatham. Josh Beatham. Is he still on the team? I thought he only had one year left. No, he's got a couple of years. Oh, okay. 
And he, yeah, he, he's, he's good through 2025, I think. Wow. All right. Yeah. The, but, like, he's Beatham a guy is, that they were talking Beatham about. He's more shaped like Bredesen, though. Like, he's yeah. Not he's not be, as big. Yeah, he's not. Barner's you're, like. You're looking for a run blocker who can also catch the ball. I'm looking for an inline guy who can take on a defensive end and win consistently. Okay, but. How many of those a, are there? Beatham is a. One. <laughs> that's my point. I mean, Beatham's a large dude. He was a quarterback because he, he was an athlete. And you're looking for someone who can do both. That's the. It's a wild card. I'm yeah, not it's saying. A, it's a wild card. Yeah. 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 All right, so those are the tight ends. Do you have anything to say beyond? I mean, Tyler Morris, a wide receiver, he looked good. He didn't get a lot of targets. He no. kind of had a, a, a bit of an Andrew Anthony year. Well, except he caught the targets that went toward him. Mostly, yeah. Uh, you know, I think he'll be a fine number two receiver on a team that has a number one receiver at running back and a number one receiver at tight end. Well, and so that's, you know, he's probably going to draw the top cornerback, right? I don't think so. Who is? Whoever they split out wide between Edwards and... <laughs> if you're putting your top cornerback on Tyler Morris in this offense, I'm like, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's he's going to have the Roman Wilson job, which was the, the you know, the, the Ronnie Bell job. That's, that's what he's going to be. Yeah. I mean, I would... I Can was, he block? Uh, uh, we haven't seen that yet. I mean, yeah. I was really hoping that they could have picked up Donovan McCauley. Like, well, yeah. there was, well, there was a couple guys that, we, that people bounced around about, but... McCully in particular was that like six five downfield receiver. Yeah, because you put him on guy. there, and then you slide Morris to two, and you put Morgan in the yeah. slot, and you're just like, all right, here we go. Yeah, I mean, maybe they'll be able to find someone after spring, like they did with Josh Wallace. Who knows? Yeah. Well done, Indiana's nil people. <sighs> he stayed at Indiana. He did. <laughs> <laughs> he went back to Indiana. I, I, they, I don't. I don't even know what to say. To they that. threw down. Who's their quarterback right now? I don't know. Exactly. <laughs> Where are you staying for, bro? Hender Payton shot. Actually, he could just, yeah, <laughs> he could just say, well, who's your quarterback? And I'd be like, yeah, good point. And I'd be like, hey, I mean, you, you, gonna, you can block you, for Alex Orgy. But it's also going to be like. quarterback. He was the quarterback there for a year. He played quarterback against Michigan. Maybe yeah. he should transfer here and play quarterback. Congratulations, Brian. You're the first person to remember anything from that game in years. All right. <laughs> Anyway, I think we've covered it. Let's take a break and have... Hey, yeah, wait, 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 wait. There's running backs on this team. We've talked and so much about them. Did we talk about Jordan Marshall that you blew past no. for the second time? But, like, yeah. Jordan Marshall's going to get, like, 50 carries. Like, he's going to be a freshman Blake Corum where it's just like, okay, this guy's very promising, but... But, but... but Benjamin Hall. Ben Hall, too. You don't... I mean, right. Kalom Lang's played so, so well this year. This, yeah. is, this is why I'm like, like, if we you don't get another transfer that Edwards is just a wide receiver. I mean, I think you're going to, as I said, I think you want him to be a complete unknown when he walks on the field. Like, where is he lining up? He's going to be motioning all over the place. And sometimes he's getting cardio in before plays. Yeah. Sometimes (laughs) he's going to be the backfield. Sometimes he's going to be in the slot and it's going to be fine. Or sometimes he's going to be the flanker. And you just go too wide with Loveland and then you have two running backs with Mullings. Let's just game it out. Well, Mullings is in the backfield pretty much all the time. A lot. Yeah. Quarterbacks in the backfield all the time. Yeah. Max Bredesen in the backfield pretty much all the time. Uh, then who's on the bench? It's not Loveland. When Max Bredesen's in the game. Okay. Well, Tyler Morris, split wide usually, maybe in the slot. I mean, he's going to play most plays. Samaj Morgan in the slot constantly. Probably going to play a lot of plays. So you've got... You're not taking Colson Loveland off the field. You're not taking Colson Loveland off the field. I don't think you're taking Edwards off the field. What you you are doing is you're changing the personnel around them. Okay. So sometimes, you know, it's going to be Edwards solo in the backfield. Sometimes it's going to be Edwards with Bredesen. Sometimes it's going to be Edwards with Mullen. Sometimes it's going to be Colson Loveland... Lined up as an inline tight end. Sometimes Colson Loveland's going to be the flanker. Okay. And you got to 
plan for all of this, all of your contingency plans, like when Michigan goes 21 personnel, is that 21 personnel? Right. Mm. Right. So the, I mean, the, the hope is that you can get teams stuck in their nickel against what you're basically going to be a, a and run then motion power. to what you want, and then you're gonna, and then you're like, okay, you've got a linebacker against one of these guys. You have a linebacker against Loveland. Or you have a linebacker against our quarterback. Like who's who's going to be your who? Where where do you pick your poison? So in one the, of these guys is going to be in a bad match. In the last couple of years, when Sharon Moore has been sort of one of the lead OCs. Has Michigan done a good job of getting into those situations where they have that they get into the matchup they like? Well, I mean, just or do they just line up and be like, yeah, you can't block Keegan and no? Look Zinner at the, and- look at the Bama game. Like they continually use motion to screw with what Bama was doing. Right. Okay. So that's but so I want to go back over the course of the years. Yeah. Like okay. that's that's what Michigan has always been a heavy formation team, heavy motion team, and they want to. Both reveal coverages and deceive the opposition. Get them in situations where to match up with them, you either have to flip your safeties in ostentatious ways or move guys around uncomfortably or just live with the fact that you've got Colson Loveland against Malachi Moore and uh, Corum gets an eight-yard run in the first half because Colson just plows that guy seven yards downfield. And then when you come to the fourth and two on the game-winning drive, game-tying drive, they – do the exact same thing. They they motion in a wide bunch to a tight bunch, and they flip Quorum from one side of the field to the other. And the linebacker wants to pass Quorum off because he knows that it's a four by one run strength, and if Quorum goes in the flat, he's dead. So he points, and Malachi Moore is the force guy. And what he does is he sets the edge, and then when he sets the edge, and Colson Loveland releases, he's like, "Oh God, what happened?" Yeah. And so he just loses what he's supposed to be doing, and that is Michigan. First of all, putting Moore in a situation where he's likely to get blown up and then coming back to that with the same formation, the same motion, and putting that in the back of his head and then getting an induced mistake from him. And that was the whole game against Alabama. And they've done it fantastically against Ohio State the past few years. Like It's a situation where if you want to talk about the best teams in America at pre-snap wins, Michigan's up there. All right. So – I have I have confidence that they're going to be able to to make some chicken salad out of you know a weird but what looks like a very effective uh, set of skill position players. They just need a trigger puller. Yeah, or a guy who can just uh, you know make you pay when you're in the wrong personnel, whatever that is. And I'm clearly hoping for Alex Orgy. Do you expect if- him to be QB one going into like spring practice and the I- spring game? I have no idea. No idea. Yeah. They, we'll see in spring. All right. Let's take a break. Come back and have a sad hockey segment. Jake Butt here, guys. Live down from the National Championship Convention Center down in Houston. And we got some big time news for you guys, Michigan faithful. We need your help to keep our team. Last year, Champion Circle launched the One More Year Fund to support key players coming back like Blake Corum, Trevor Keegan, and Zach Sinner, who elected to return to Michigan for one more year. Now we're launching the Those Who Stay NIL campaign. Our rivals are coming after many of our key players, trying to induce them to leave Michigan. It's time for the Michigan family to show our players how much we appreciate them and want them back in the maze in blue. To keep the momentum going, head over to Those Who Stay, uofm.com. Again, that is those who stay, uofm.com, to support. 
Go blue. It can be a rough ride along the information superhighway. That's why we build our e-commerce websites tough enough to handle the load. With the capacity to take hundreds of simultaneous online transactions and the stability of load-balanced co-located server architectures, a website from Human Element performs in the roughest conditions. Thousands of products? No problem. We'll throw in the tools to manage them with precision and efficiency. All with a design slick enough to make you think your girlfriend might be impressed. So load it up and hit the gas and let Human Elm show you the way. Special offers available for returning licensees. Financing available with approved credit to qualified buyers. Client participation may affect savings. Optional equipment available at additional cost. See human-element.com for details. Winewood Organics is Ann Arbor's only cannabis microbusiness for adults 21 and older. They're a grower, processing lab, and dispensary rolled into one, cultivating and producing flour, old-school hash, edibles, CBD products, and more. You can find them across the street from Kroger on South Maple, just west of downtown, and at winewoodorganics.com. Veterans and MedCard holders save 10% on all orders, and first-time customers save 25%, as long as you're not wearing scarlet and gray. In southeastern Michigan, the yearly cost for a nursing home averages approximately 100000 It doesn't have to, though. Reed McCarthy founded Ann Arbor Elder Law after handling a tricky situation for his own family. Years of experience later, his boutique firm works with clients across southeast Michigan dealing with Medicaid planning, long-term care, and tax, disability, and family law, not to mention family dynamics. If you have a family member who may need that level of care, or if you're ready to start your own estate plan, Reed can give you a plan for the future. Visit AnnArborElderLaw.com or call 734-945-9693. That's 734-945-9693. swept by Michigan State in a very frustrating series where Trey Augustine was the difference. Like, mm. Barzo didn't play badly. No, he's fine. But Michigan had a lot of great opportunities and got robbed on a great deal of them. The uh, Friday game felt like Ron Mason had been reincarnated and walked back into oh, Ghost Ice Arena. God, that was a... No, it was a 1999 Michigan-Michigan State it was, game. It was like right out of the playbook where it's like nobody can get a scoring chance. Uh-huh. Their goalie well, is incrementally better than Michigan. Michigan goalie. got scoring chances. Yeah. yeah. Um, Michigan they, State did not, not which was they get very a, encouraging. They get a goal because a puck rolls over the goalie's stick. Like it was – Yeah, it was just one of those max – No, they get a goal because Ethan Edwards stands around and doesn't check a fourth-line center that's going to the net. Yeah, that one – like immediately after Michigan scores, like there's a guy cutting across the crease and Ethan Edwards is like checking another guy. I'm like, I mean, he's this is- probably looking for the backdoor pass, but uh, yeah. it wasn't coming and it's not there. And if you're playing that and it doesn't happen – 
like it's on you. Yeah, but there were two other instances in that game where Michigan had the same opportunity to go across the crease in that same way and tuck it in back door, and Augustine had both of those covered. Well, so this is the thing. Like, he's obviously really, really good, and I don't know what his ceiling as an NHL goalie is. I, that's not I mean, he's my second, area of expertise. He's a second-round pick. Correct. Right. I mean, you know, Spencer Knight was also a first-round pick and has not been able to play in the NHL for other reasons. I'm just so you don't know where you're going. But when I've watched him play, and maybe part of it is because like he was a Michigan commit and he's probably a little bit fired up to play against the team that he was going to play for and all that. There's there's those aspects. But when you have a guy that does that consistently, consistently, like Vasilevsky in the playoffs for several years, I mean, you can get away with being sloppy at the back. The problem is, is how many of those guys are there? Like that's not they they got him at least for this year. We'll see going forward. That's just not. <laughs> Do you remember the timeline of his flip? It was Mel Pearson. It was, so this was like directly. He committed to Mel. Yeah. And then Michigan moved on from Mel for good reasons. And then he followed his coach. His national team development coach. Yeah. C- correct. To Michigan State. So it makes sense. I'm not mad about it. I'm not like we should have had him. That's not fair. No, this this makes sense. This has happened in hockey a ton of times. So or in different sports. But so. They got him because of that. I mean, I wouldn't rather have had Mel the last couple of years and all of that. I mean, who knows what would have happened? No, they could have fired Mel faster and gone immediately to their goalie recruit and said, hey, this is what's going on right now. But he also – They waited and and then – It does feel unlikely they would have kept him because Michigan State hired a guy that he was deeply familiar with and liked. Right. And somebody in the comments of the breakdown I wrote last night was like – Oh, well, we should have hired Nightingale or something. I mean, that wasn't going to happen because Nightingale was a, is a, is a Spartan and yeah. he was mm-hmm. going to go there and probably take Augustine with him. And that's the way that it is. The thing is, is now that we're at the point of where, okay, you don't have this A-plus backstop. So he's not going to bail you out. And I thought Barzo bailed them out last night. I mean, they had two breakaways. He saved two of the three. The other one went wide. He made two or three brilliant stops one like kick save from one side to the other i mean he did keep good chances out of the net and michigan just provided him with too many turnovers i mean the se- the third goal or the second goal is a shot from the point that truscott just doesn't tie up the guy on the back post and yeah i mean i, I mean but the real problem there is that they score three goals over the weekend like you know well but <sighs> like there's, when, there's when a- you face a goalie that just keeps the puck out I don't know what else to tell you. Well, I'm saying, but like, you cannot when you, when you know that's on the other end, you don't get margin of error, so you can't make those mistakes. I mean, you can, but then you're going to be pulling the puck out of the back of your net, and wondering why you're losing games. I mean, it's unrealistic to expect to make no mistakes over the course of a hockey game, right? Like that's true. I mean, like there are going to be mistakes, and then sometimes you. But when you're playing in the NHL playoffs against really good teams, you don't get to just give away pizzas in your own house all the time and then wonder why you're not winning those games. Well, it's clear that this is not like a vintage Michigan hockey team. They got a great first line. They got, well, like this is they have I think their forwards are pretty good and they do have depth and you know, they've gone with the hero line concept and they scored 5 goals in a row for you know, four uh, four games against Michigan State and Wisconsin and then last week they get what, 4 and 4, 4 and 3, something like that. So they have been putting the puck in the net a lot. They didn't this weekend because Trey Augustine is awesome. And, I, you know, that's not a philosophical problem. That's a you no. run into a guy and then you have to play an A-plus game to beat him. Well, and I think people are looking at Michigan's tenuous tourney status right now. And they're like, ah, this Nerado guy is no good. But, like, 
They lost Adam Fantilli. They lost a ton of talent to the NHL last year, and they didn't really bring anyone. I mean, Shifsky's been a pleasant surprise. Moldenhauer's been okay, but they haven't brought in anyone at that level, specifically because of the fiasco that was the Nerado hiring process. And they've scored goals this year. They're one of the. I mean, I know there's all the the Lindenwood and Stonehill goals, and so if you take those out, it probably changes. But like the issue is, is that if you you have to be tighter on defense against good teams and Michigan isn't or you have a goalie that erases them all which they just don't have I mean I, like I mean Marshall Warren on, on the third goal just is in the corner and he passes the puck up the boards and right to a Spartan I know but I mean we're talking about three goals a game in both of these games like I you know there have been times in Michigan hockey where it's like oh I'm glad we didn't give up five this tonight and it doesn't feel like that you know it feels like we had a frustrating very even series where the goalie was yep. the difference yep and Michigan did make mistakes to give up goals, but Michigan State made plenty of mistakes too. And, and they, they have a guy that erased them all. Right. And like, I'm not sure that I would like get behind the idea that Michigan State is like more disciplined or better defensively. Oh, I'm not saying that at all. Yeah, they just. I don't think their defense is any is better they, than Michigan's by any stretch. They got some puck luck. They got better roles. I mean, it wasn't like a badly officiated series. It's there were the, only the, like. Four or five yeah. penalties the, called. The all run weekend. of play in the four games against State this year, Michigan was really unlucky to end up zero and four. Well, they, they won were, one game. Oh, they won. They, they or, or, or to, sorry to not have won. I mean, they to not get a split. Like the Friday yeah. game was very even. It was split seemingly yeah. between and then where Michigan couldn't get out of its zone in the third period and then vice versa. It was pretty even for the first two periods. They get you know Edwards doesn't lock down that chance from Tanner Kelly and the shift after they finally break through on Augustine, they give it right back on just a play that, you know, you just, you just want the guy to do something different. And then, you know, in the third period, it's, it's a tight game and, you know, Michigan turns puck over in their own zone a couple times and then goes in the back of the net. And that's how you win hockey games or you lose hockey games. And Augustine kept those out and Barczewski didn't. And that's the difference. I'm not. I don't think that Michigan State's a better team, but I think that in a position that you know, in some senses, matters more than any other, they have a guy that can steal a bunch of games, and and you know, to some extent, Barczewski kind of did that last week against Ohio State. Now it's Ohio State; they're not as good, and he he put up a nine two three or nine two four last night. I mean, he gave him a, he gave him a chance. They just couldn't beat Augustine. So I just think that. Because you look over the course of the year and these games go the same way and Michigan gives up goals in the similar ways, you just have to be cleaner in your own zone. And if you're not, you're probably going to lose. I mean, to some extent, I disagree with that just because this is Michigan hockey. If you score one goal and two goals, you're not going to win games. I, that's You're not Quinnipiac. You're mm-hmm. always going to be a very young team. You're yep. always going to be a very talented team and that comes with mistakes and you're going to have to outscore your mistakes. I, it wasn't just the goal. I mean, they missed a couple great A plus opportunities right in front of the net. Yeah. There were, I mean, there were. Some well, Duke had the chance to win to tie it at the very end. Augustine's yeah. down and out, and he swung, and the puck was bouncing, and he missed it. I mean, yeah. how many times did Duke score? He's the leading goal scorer on the team. He's got seventeen, eighteen this year. I mean, that's as good a chance as you're looking for. He just missed it. There's, well, pucks, I don't pucks bounce exactly, yeah. and I'm not, and I'm not faulting him for it. It's that's why those in in XG models that chance isn't one, you know, it's like 0.4 or 0.6 or whatever it is, because there is the other side of it that, well, it hits the part of Woody or stick and then hits the post. Speaking of puck luck, Michigan had a goal waved off this, this week. That was also true. And like I, on TV, you could watch on BTN minus, you could see that (laughs) the whole time. And then they, 
I mean, they had a a very similar play that they just let go a few minutes later, and I was like, "Are you yeah. kidding me?" Yeah, and you know, to be fair, I I, I enjoyed the officiating this weekend. I didn't think. I mean, taking a goal. The goal. The goal was okay. I yeah. mean, from a penalty calling perspective, like. I didn't necessarily need to see a string of like one team gets four and the other team gets five power plays. There were there was like, a they lot let of, them play hockey. There was a lot there were a of bunch chippiness. of icing. There's a lot of icings Chipping that were like not called and like so you're just like and there's some grabbing and clutching and you're just like okay that's the kind of series it is that's fine. Both teams play the same style. Both teams don't have elite defenses. Both teams want to go up and down the ice. Let them skate and I they mean, did. I didn't really see a whole lot that should have been a penalty. No. There was yeah. like a cross check at the end of the first or second period in the Friday game that I was like, you got to call that. Yeah, maybe. But, you know, it wasn't like there was a bunch of interference that they just weren't calling or nope. guys were tripping. Mm-hmm. It was just like it was a clean series. So, yep. you know, that and that hurts Michigan too because they have the best power play in America. Yeah. Well, I mean, States is pretty good too. Yeah, but – but Michigan gets on the power play and they score again against Michigan State. So, true. Uh, Saturday night game. That's so true. the. I mean, it's a frustrating year. I, I I can understand people being frustrated, but like the underlying way Michigan is playing hockey, I think is encouraging to have the structure to do what you're doing on the power play, to have the structure to do what you're doing in the offensive zone. You're not just cycling. Yep. Like you're you're a genuine threat, even in areas where hockey teams, especially college hockey teams, just generally aren't. I know that's frustrating on the back end, but well, the the part of it is like that I that I come to is like okay, I'm not you know I'm going to give Casey a little bit of grace, and I'm going to give probably Luca a little bit of grace. You know, Edwards is sort of in a different boat because he's been heard and yeah, he's not up di- to like different. There, there's been a lot form. of different things with Edwards, but Jacob Truscott is in his fourth year. He's a captain, and he's still you know missing little fundamental plays too consistently and they bring yeah. in Marshall Warren who's in his fifth year of college hockey Warren who's was a captain fine in last game he had one bad pass up the up, up right the he's been better he's been better this and, weekend and I thought he was this weekend he was especially on the Saturday game I thought he was great he was, was he was very good this weekend aside from the turnover that led to a goal but overall this year he's been a little more disappointing and both of those guys are not puck rushers they're not going to go create a ton in the offensive zone which is fine you don't need all your six defensemen to do that but when you don't do that you better be really good in your own end and they haven't been as good and they've i mean truscott has had series where you're just like dude where are you passing the puck truscott was the one who was bothering me and then and and warren has been caught out of position a number of times over over the course of the year where you're just like like you're not the guy that needs to go be seamus casey well i think there's a reason that uh, he's still in college, <laughs> and then that Boston College didn't bring him back. Well, mm-hmm. so I'm just saying that, like that, those are the issues that you would hope that wouldn't be that Michigan needed to not be, and they are. And it doesn't mean. I mean, I basically said my in my final thoughts that section last night. I said, okay, either Michigan needs to outscore their problems, they need to clean it up in the defensive zone, or hope that Barczewski just plays above his head for the rest of the year. And when two of those, two of the three of those things don't happen, it's probably not going to go well. All right, so Michigan's up against the wall now and really needs to start performing down the stretch. So they have uh, Penn State on the road next weekend. Penn State, <laughs> speaking of not scoring goals, did not score a goal against Minnesota this weekend. Um, their goal-tending team save percentage is like eight six five. I mean, right. those look like games that, that you can overwhelm them and hang five six seven on them yeah. each night. And then they get Notre Dame at home and they go to Minnesota, who's playing better. They're still like right on the bubble. I think fifteenth. Last yeah. time I looked, I mean, this is it's this isn't bad. It's just 
not where they were and not what you kind of hoped happened this weekend? I mean, they're they're the type of team that if there's any opportunity to keep them in the tournament, they gotta be they gotta be in the tournament. Like if they're that's not how it works. I know, but it's, it's but it's like it's they're the type of team that if you get they get in the tournament and they do play well in their own zone that day, or Barzo does play really well. I mean, some one seeds getting left over. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that's it for Michigan hockey. <laughs> Basketball exists. Goodbye. Listen to the MGO podcast. I'm Seth Fisher, along with Brian Cook and David Nasternak. And if we get Ann Arbor housing fixed, we'll get to keep our coaches. too so like all right let's cut that <laughs> something's flying around <laughs> i just punched himself in the face all no, it was like, <laughs> this is fly or something all right